Before Shopify, were you wondering, where my sales at? Now you're selling with Shopify, the global commerce platform supercharging your selling. You have no problem selling online, in person, on social media, and beyond. Gary, easy on the cha-ching. <clears throat> oh, sorry, but my Shopify sales are through the roof. Start selling with Shopify today and discover how millions of businesses around the world use Shopify to ignite their selling. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash listen. Shopify.com slash listen. Okay, well, it's Wednesday and all, and it's actually pretty calm outside after that big freak storm we just had. But you know, this be the time of the year for it. I wouldn't be surprised how many more things get rained out as we get where we need to be here. Well, with the rising of everybody coming back uh, from lockdown and all. I hope that pace keeps going. Even though at the same time, you know, I just hope we don't get back to that stuff where we just start uh, acting really ridiculous. But then again, I remember what time I live in. And as for right now, to get away from that crap for a little bit, because I really can't stand what's going on in the news, let's go ahead and take a look at some stories today. And you know what? First things first. Welcome to the J-Man Show here on... J360 Radio! Grand Canyon University, an affordable private Christian university, is one of the largest and fastest growing universities in the country, offering more than 270 programs online. In addition to federal grants and aid, GCU's online students received nearly $130 million in institutional scholarships in 2022. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Private, Christian, affordable. Visit gcu.edu slash myoffer to see the scholarships you may qualify for. <laughs> hey, what's going on, J360 Legion? How are you guys doing tonight? This is J-Man, of course, just chilling here in the J360 house, uh, relaxing and, you know, sitting here just thinking to myself about the progress of everything that's going on so far. And let me tell you, it's amazing right now because I managed to figure out a way to actually get the J360 hotline to work on the show. So that means that there are times where if you guys catch me live or whatever, if you want to talk to me or something... Instead of just using the chat box, you can actually leave me some vocal stuff and I can patch you through. <laughs> Not tonight. You know what I mean? That's future stuff now. Because I know some of y'all would have probably been uh, speed dialing and everything else. Been like telling me some stuff. Which is okay. I don't mind you guys letting me know a few things. I don't mind you guys talking and speaking your piece. Like if you heard on the mini bite, I just don't like it when like the jams playlist is running through and you start name dropping people. I don't like that. It undermines the people on the list, and that's pretty much what I meant by that. It's all about, like, if you're on a show or something, you know, respect the people that are on the show. I mean, it's just as bad as, like, say, you're watching WWE SmackDown, and instead of watching the actual match take place, you take out, like, a um, beach ball, and you blow it up, and you bounce it around for other audience members to play with, instead of just realizing that you paid money to be entertained by the people that are actually in the ring, on the stage, or any of that stuff. And, I mean, you could have, like, a multiple different set of feelings, but that's your problem. If it's that bad, leave. Don't be there then, you know? That's what I say about that. But, hey... One way or another, you're old enough to know better. It's just a lot of people don't really take responsibility like that. And speaking of responsibilities, it's good to be back here doing the J-Man show again. This is the one that started it all, the Red Show, the show where J-Man is pretty much got his beginnings, among anything else. 
And also, I started working on a second variation for the Hangout series. So there's more upgrades for that. The power play is sitting there resting and waiting for tomorrow because we got some things to do. In addition to some other testing out. And by the way, since we are practically on our way to June, which is the sixth month, we are halfway through 2021. Yeah, that'd be really nice, right? And I'm going to tell you this. It's a, a lot to be excited about because I am doing the Monster Fest this year, too. So, in honor of the Monster Fest and in honor of getting away from whatever the hell's going on in the news right now, we're going to be looking into some stories tonight. And I know, like, I hit you guys pretty good with some. We're going to do the same, similar, similar, but we'll probably be delving into some deeper stuff. Because, you know, oh, we have to get through the darkness to get to the light. So, we'll go ahead and we'll get started. This particular one for tonight is called The Heartbreaker. Alright. A woman from a small town in England thought that she had lost everything when her husband was found dead. The investigation concluded that the man had taken his own life. But despite all the evidence, she was never convinced. They were happily married and he had just started a, town, uh, started a job in a nearby town. And he was a kind man who gave to charity and was on the list of organ donors. When a terribly ill man was given her heart's husband in a transplant, she took some solace that a little good had come out of the tragedy. Eventually, she had met the man and had re who had received her husband's heart. And against all her instincts, they struck up a relationship. Marrying after a short courtship, she told her friends that it was as if she had known him all her life. Life went on as usual for several years until one Christmas Eve when she returned home from work late. She had entered the house and a chill ran through her body. An old forgotten memory triggered in her mind. Her first husband had died at that time of year. In fact, five, five years to the day. And back then she had returned to find the same unexpected silence in the house. Then she heard the sound of water and saw it flowing down the stairs, tinged with red was exactly what she had seen on that night five years ago. She was scared and called out nervously for her husband, but there was no answer. She made her way up the stairs and saw the bloody liquid seeping from the bathroom. Not again, she thought. It couldn't happen again. Wow. <laughs> Isn't that something? You know, there are moments where they say, like, things tend to repeat in Xerox, especially if it's from different circumstances or if it's like, you know, say, like, you learn the lesson from something it shouldn't really happen again, but it does happen again just because. I mean, if, if there's one thing about this, this is kind of plausible here because bad things do happen to good people. Like, it's kind of similar to, you know, always a bridesmaid but never a bride. Like, you see, like, if you're that person in your friends group and all of the people that were there get married or on the verge of getting married, but you're always wearing a bridesmaid's dress, it seems like. And it's it's weird now, you know, not not saying that those of you out there that are having a hard time will never find the one or never get into strong supporting relationships or anything. That That's just deep thinking. But the thing is, it does happen with some people who feel as though they're always trapped in a loop like that. And this particular woman is trapped in a loop <laughs> that that's, you know, man, that really is a heartbreaker, isn't it? It's crazy stuff. But hey, like I said, keep hope alive now. Keep hope alive. You can still win this year and the next one and the next one after that. Just believe in yourself. Now, this next one we got coming up is called Fear of Heights. And boy, do I know about that one. I, <laughs> Man, I hate nosebleeds. I mean, I got to do it sometimes for my job, but doesn't mean I like it. 
Yeah, I tell you one thing, when you're up on that scaffold and stuff like that, you can really feel how brisk things are. But this particular thing is called Fear Heights, and the story starts like this. In the 1930s, a terrible fire gripped a large department store in downtown Tokyo, taking several lives. Many workers were trapped in the buildings, and they scrambled onto the roof to escape the flames and await rescue by the fire services. Firemen quickly and set up quickly arrived and set up a net to catch people forced to jump from the roof. After the fire was extinguished, rumors spread that a group of women refused to jump. Not because of the height, but because they were wearing kimonos, which are traditionally worn by Japanese women without underwear. In conservative Japan, they were more scared of exposing themselves when they had jumped in front of the firemen than they were of the flames engulfing the building. Several of the women perished, and it is said that the story prompted a shift in Japanese fashion towards Western-style clothes. Hmm. Hmm. I don't know how plausible that one is, but then again, you know, they do be bare underneath them kimonos, so... I mean... What is your life value to you, you know? Like, when you take the... Ju- I mean, I, I don't know. Let's say, like, if I was in that situation, would I... I'd spread eagle. I had to do what I had to do. You know what I mean? Jump out the window. Like, really do what I got to do at that point. It's all about survival. Even as a man. You know what I mean? Like, like if I knew that I was bare and the building was on fire and all that kind of stuff, you're all just going to have to get a show that day. That's just all there is to it. Because homeboy is saving himself. And, of course, saving uh, whomever else might be there. Don't worry about the nakedness and the link that is there. It's all natural. And I, at the end of the day, I live with it, and I like it. <laughs> you know? So you just got to be... You're getting a show that day. Put it put it that way. <laughs> just letting you all know. Um, this particular one that's coming up next is called Heavy Duty. Fire crews who were called out for an unusual job in a suburb of Orlando, Florida. Oh, boy were doubly shocked when they realized the scale of the task ahead of them. A morbidly obese woman weighing in the region of 50 stones had fallen out of her bed while trying to reach the kitchen. Due to her bulk, she was unable to move herself from the floor and was wedged between the bed and the wall. Horrifyingly, she told the first police officer that arrived on the scene that she thought she had landed on her toddler niece who was playing in the room. She had been watching over the child at the time for her sister who had spent most of her time looking over after her bedridden sibling and had left the house to buy more food for her. The firefighters didn't know if she was crazy or lying, but they set to work on moving her as fast as possible. A giant job, which meant that they had to knock down a wall and use a small crane to winch her out of the building. As they fixed the straps around her body and readied her crane, her sister returned home from the store. When she realized what was happening, she began asking where her daughter was, a question nobody dared answer until they heaved her sister off the ground and discovered another much smaller body underneath. Damn! Like, oh, oh. Yo, that, that's really messed up. Now, I know some of y'all were probably laughing in the back. You know how you are. We're all supposed to be accepting of other people, regardless what and everything, but... <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that that end result, right? I mean, damn, like, oh, landed right on the poor little girl. Jeez. I don't know if that's more of an urban legend or if that's more of a just freak accident. Which quite a lot of these are, I suppose. Uh, the next one we have right now is called Halloween Hell. All right, well, since we're getting close to Halloween and all, and some of us celebrate at least 365 days a year, might as well go on ahead and get festive. Buckle up. Here we go. A Japanese student who spoke little English was visiting in the United States for the first time, staying with a family in the South. 
He was invited to a party for his first proper American Halloween experience. Excited, he dressed as... Jesus Christ, people. Excited, he dressed as John Travolta from Saturday Night Fever and traveled to the party with his American friend. The event was in a quiet suburban area they didn't know, and they weren't sure which house the party was in. They knocked on a door covered in Halloween decorations and received no answer, but heard a noise coming from the side of the house and looked there for an entrance. Suddenly, a door opened and a middle-aged woman looked out. She seemed scared, and the boys realized that they were burglars. Oh, no. She realized that they thought they were burglars. Before the American youth could say, We're here for the party, the woman screamed and told her husband to get his gun. He burst out of the house yelling, Freeze! and pointing a revolver at the boys. The Japanese boy, not knowing freeze meant don't move, tried to approach the householder to explain why they were there. Panicking, the man fired off a shot, hitting the student in the chest and killing him instantly. The shooter escaped jail on self-defense charges and later declared that he would never use a gun again. Oh, man. Well, you know, that, true to form, this is why, like, they have the moment where, like, when you're trick-or-treating or whatever, or Halloween stuff, usually you have, like, parties over here sign, or you have, like, lights lit to let you know, but, you know, he was also staying with a family in the South, and, you know, people in the South really are very protective of their areas, you know, especially people in the North, like, let's just be honest, when we're really, really territorial about things... Yeah, that's true, but if you're ever going to a party or something like that, make sure you get the actual address so that you can go, don't get lined up in situations like this because it, it don't take much for any of these Karens and Chads to go ahead and get half-cock about stuff, especially this day and age, man. Like, we're on the verge of actually getting out of this pandemic, but a lot of people didn't learn anything. They're going back to being really, really stupid now. And not only that, um, I saw, like, there was an incident in San Jose where a gunman shot, like, eight people. I'm like... Damn, we going right back to it, huh? Didn't learn a damn thing. Ugh, it's disgusting where we are nowadays. You know what I mean? Well, hey, this one might be nice for you guys. This one's called the Demon Core. And you're probably wondering how the Demon Core could actually be nice. Well, guess what? This is the J-Man Show, and you're going to take it. So sit down and listen. A lump of plutonium was used to create the nuclear bombs deployed by the Americans in the famous Bikini Atoll nuclear test claimed the lives of several scientists. In a spooky coincidence, both of the incidents happened on Tuesdays, both the 21st of the month. In 1945, a young scientist was working on the spherical mass of plutonium in a secret laboratory in New Mexico. He made the mistake in an experiment designed to prepare the substance for use in a bomb, dropping a lump of metal onto the core and causing it to go supercritical, meaning that the radiation suddenly rose to a dangerous level. By the time he had reversed his error, he had suffered a lethal dose. He died a month later from radiation poisoning. A security guard sitting some distance away developed a fatal cancer some years later. A few months later, another physicist at the same lab, a friend of the one who already died, was conducting a similar experiment on the same plutonium core, but one that was thought to be even more dangerous. It involved initiating a small nuclear reaction, but avoiding the uncontrollable chain reaction that would cause a large-scale nuclear explosion. The physicist was demonstrating the risky technique to several other scientists present. Like his colleague's fatal experiment, it required the utmost concentration. 
as he relied only on a screwdriver and a very steady hand to make sure that the metal did not get too close to the core and set off a reaction. The science called it the tickling the dragon's tail. He had performed the procedure on several occasions before, often in front of observers and was regarded as something of a daredevil. The famous physicist Enrico Fermi reportedly told him that he would be dead within a year if he continued with the dragon's tail experiment. But this time his hand slipped, and the core instantly went supercritical, emitting a blinding flash of blue light. He had managed to stop the reaction in less than a second, but by then he had already received a fatal dose of radiation, which killed him within a week. Two other scientists present succumbed to the radiation-linked diseases many years later. From then on, the deadly plutonium sphere was regarded as curse and dubbed the Demon Core. So, you know, just be careful when you're working with plutonium. You understand what I'm saying? That's a very, very dangerous element to work with. Especially when it was a part of, um, it wasn't a part of Little Boy. Little Boy was the, um, Utonium. No, Uranium. Uranium was Little Boy. Fat Man was Plutonium. That's right, that's right. <laughs> Little World War II there. Oh boy, but you know, like it's it's one thing though, because those guys were running things. You know what I mean? Back in the day, like the Manhattan Project and all, like scientists were like incredible. Like I still hold Nikola Tesla to a high regard to this day, even though like a lot of people took that whole death rate thing out of context. But I wonder what that would be like now if we were dealing with situations like that, like where somebody talks about it and then all of a sudden they automatically assume the worst, so they go ahead and they uh, ruin that person's time. Because, you know, even then, if it was something that was really, really beneficial, chances are in the wrong hands it could be misused and abused for something really, really ridiculous. As I go about those things. <laughs> oh, boy. I hope you're okay, though. I mean, like, some of these things have bitter ends to them. But don't you worry. I, I got something on here that's a little bit more, you know, lighthearted. And not only that, I'm a bit of an offset, so. <laughs> I just tidy up the end. This next one we got coming up is called Microwaved Man. Oh boy. A man who worked on repairing a telecommunications transmitter in northern Canada was killed after standing too close to the machinery. As he attempted to keep warm during a Christmas Eve shift, it was not the first time the man had got too close to the dish. He had received a warning from officials after dodging a safety barrier and deactivating the alarms on at least one previous occasion. However, he claimed that he got so cold on his night shifts that he didn't have any choice. A company spokesman explained that the transmitter stations were not heated, as the machinery generated its own heat and needed to keep cool. Clearly, the deceased had planned his risky stunt. He had reportedly smuggled in a six-pack of beer and a folding chair on which he was found the following morning by the next man to have come on shift. He was sitting directly in front of the microwave transmitter, still clutching a beer. Judging by the smell, he had been literally cooked. It's possible that a peak in energy caused by extra communications over the Christmas holiday had contributed to his death. Yeah, yeah that's about right. Mm-hmm, sure enough is. You know, how can I talk about that? Well, it's like, he's out there doing a shift, and then, like, you know how, like, how everybody talks during Christmas and everything. The stuff would generate enough to where he, um, would be exposed to it, so... You do know that they don't have the names for some of these people. So I'm just wondering how the situation would go down. But yeah, that sounds about right. Oh boy. Let me see if I can find you guys a better one, though. 
Oh, here we go. A special dress. Now, you see, there's nothing dangerous about this. I mean, after all, there's probably some beautiful things coming up. I think some people are having... Are they even having prom this year now that I think about it? Yeah, I mean, eventually those formal dances and all, are they even doing that? Huh. I don't know. I'll have to ask somebody. I know somebody's doing a special show that deals with prom. By the way, shout-outs to Electrish. Hmm. This one is called a special dress, though. So, Jenny worked two jobs to pay for her college education. Even then, money was very tight. After paying for rent, tuition, and books, there was only just enough for food. Most of her classmates didn't have the same problems coming from wealthy backgrounds, so they partied while she worked at a bar on the e- uh, in the evenings. One day, Jenny received an invitation to a college ball, and as everyone would be there, she had worked every Friday that term. She decided that this would be the time she would go. There was only one problem. The dress code required something special. She didn't have anything suitable, and she certainly couldn't afford anything new. A friend who worked at a vintage clothes shop suggested that Jenny might find something suitably glamorous there at a low price, so she visited and tried out several outfits. She had almost given up when she spotted a beautiful satin dress hidden at the back of the display, and it was just what she was looking for, although a little out of her budget, but she had to have it. On the night of the ball, she laid the dress out on her bed with a smile and took her time getting ready. She tried it on again and was sure she looked great. When she took off the dress to shower, she felt a wave of nausea come over her. But it soon passed and she forgot about it. In her excitement, she even ordered a cab to take her out to the event, which was not something that she would normally splash out on. Jenny arrived at the ball and attracted lots of attention, receiving plenty of compliments and jealous looks from the other girls. Aww. When when they tried to find out more about the dress, she had told him that she had found it at the back of her cupboard. She had danced for an hour straight until she started to feel tired. She sat down to rest, but the nausea feeling in her stomach returned and the room began to spin. A boy asked her to dance, but she tripped as she tried to get up and follow him on the dance floor. He tried to help her, but she made her excuses and left. She stumbled on the street and flagged down a cab, no longer caring about the money. The cab driver helped her up the steps to her apartment and she flopped through the door and collapsed on her bed. That's how her family found her a week later after she failed to return her phone calls. Her death was a mystery. The post-mortem revealed that she had died from poisoning, but the bizarrely, but bizarrely, the toxic substances were identified as a mix of chemicals commonly used to embalm dead bodies before burial. The police interviewed everyone at the ball, including the taxi driver, but they were stumped. Then a test carried out items in her flat, revealing that the gown was coated in the same toxic chemicals. They tracked the purchase she had made at the vintage store and discovered that the dress belonged to a young student who had died in a car crash on the way to a ball only a few weeks previously. She was clothed in a dress for her open casket funeral and was only removed from her body just before she was buried. The chemicals had seeped from the dress into Jenny's pores and slowly killed her. See, I was looking for a lighthearted tale, man. I mean, like that, that, that was Beauty and the Beast, and then all of a sudden it became, you know, four weddings and a funeral right then and there. I mean, like, God dang, man. Jesus. <laughs> you know? Uh, well, you know what? Actually, there has been uh, variations of this story. I remember, like, one where they were talking about, like, this woman that bought a coat, and that coat was, like, always killing her or something like that. It was, like, making her sick in the beginning. And then later on, like, when she took it off, she died because allegedly there was a snake in it. So it's kind of similar to that whole tale. But, you know, I wouldn't be surprised how something like that... But then again, this has been on the rack inside of a, inside of a vintage store, right? And you know that a vintage store would have people in there. So you mean to tell me that nobody was able to be exposed to this and could feel something? But then again, she did put the dress on. 
So it's it's all about like really thinking like how plausible that is. I mean, maybe there's some truth to it. Maybe at the end of the day, maybe you should watch what you wear. I mean, or just hmm. I don't know. Questions about that one. Still pretty pretty damn sus. Alright, well, here's another one for you high school crowds, I think, out there, even though that was college, so don't remind me. <laughs> this is called Hellish Homecoming. Actually, no, this has nothing to do with the um, public school. Alright, well, anyway, Hellish Homecoming. An army officer had recently arrived at barracks from a secret mission abroad. He had lost several young men on the mission and was faced with the inevitable task of informing their next of kin. He had reached the first house on site and knocked on the door to speak to the soldier's girlfriend. There was no reply. He had left a message on her answer phone saying that he would call her back later to speak to her and visit other families on his grim round tour of duty. He came back later that evening, but again, there was no reply. The next morning, he visited the next-door neighbors and asked if they knew where the woman was. They replied that they hadn't seen or heard from her for a day or two, but seemed to remember that she had mentioned something about taking her young children to visit her parents. After a couple of days, the officer still hadn't heard anything. At that point, it became clear that she hadn't visited her parents, as they were contacting her friends and asking if they had any information about her whereabouts. The officer decided to break into the house to see if she was okay, and when he did, he found her lying dead at the bottom of the stairs with her neck broken. When he checked the rest of the house to his horror, he found her young children dead in the bath. The police believed that the mother was at home bathing her two young children upstairs, when there was a knock at the door, she tripped on the landing and fell down the stairs, breaking her neck. Tragically, the children eventually drowned. The officer never found out for certain that whether it was his knock on the door that she was running to answer. Jesus Christ, man. <laughs> that, oh, I felt the chill off of that one. Could you imagine, like, I mean, you are actually, like, say, like, you're visiting somebody, and then you knock on the door, and then, like, whatever they're probably doing, you know, they break away from it real fast, because they don't know whether it's an emergency or not, and then all of a sudden, there's, like, a skate or a skateboard or some sort of projectile out there in the middle of the way that shouldn't be there, and then, boom, boom, tisk, And it's like, ooh. That's terrible. That's terrible. Okay, so how do I offset that? I'm going to find us another story. All right, this one's called Funny Money. A Chinese fisherman has scrimped and saved all his time through his long career at sea to plan for his retirement. When he finally moved on to land, he had to work out what to do with his life savings. Because he did not trust his local bank, I mean, after all, who does? He decided that it would be easier to dig a hole in the cellar of his house and bury the money there in a plastic bag where nobody would think to look for it. Somebody thought to look for it. <laughs> and where it would be safe from thieves. He did not give the stash much thought for the next few years and never told anybody about it. Not even his family. But when he had heard that the old notes were going out of circulation and needed to be exchanged for new ones before the deadline, he had realized that he had to dig the money up and claim the new bills. When he put his hand in the hole to retrieve the cash, however, he realized that something had got to the money before him. Termites had eaten through the bag and tore the bank notes into shreds. They were unrecognizable. In desperation, he took what was left in the bag to every bank in town, all of which refused to accept the shreds as legal tender. When he was distraught and ready to burn the worthless piles of paper, when a bank clerk joked that they might take the money only if he stuck it all back together again. The fisherman let him laugh and took him at his word. It took him several months and several tubs of glue, but eventually had pieced together every single bill. He carried the money to the bank and dumped it triumphantly in front of the same cashier demanding that he accepted it. 
The cashier did not smile at this time, and he wasn't joking when he explained that the deadline for exchanging old notes had passed weeks ago, so the money had really become worthless, in pieces or not. The fisherman had become so engrossed in his repair job that he had forgotten the original reason for taking the cash to the bank. Oh, man, that's irony. <laughs> man, could you imagine, like, um, having to do exchanges like that? Like, one way or another, like, oh, we won't accept them dollars anymore until you trade them up for these new dollars that we have right here. You know, the design. Nah, we don't want no Andrew Jackson. You better get these Tubman. You better get this Tubman on here. Yeah, yeah, otherwise it don't mean anything. Screw your retirement, boy. Go back home. Go back to the killing fields where you belong. Yeah, I can only imagine that kind of stuff. I'd be like, you better take my damn money or I'm going somewhere else. You better go ahead and take my money. Take my money. And then all of a sudden, you see me floating right back outside after I done... Well, actually, I'm not floating back outside. Let's just pay attention. There's two Americas. If anything, I'm going in the back of a squad car or some crap. Because at that point, you know, I done scared the hell out of um, whoever the hell is behind that desk. It doesn't take much. <laughs> Especially when you're six foot four and got a mean face like I do. Well, then again, I don't know. I'm pretty ruggedly handsome, but there are times where I just had that mean appearance. Now, here we go, guys. This one is called If You Can't Stand the Heat. Now, of the world's most dangerous sports, the sport championship of sauna sitting has to be up there with the stupidest. It's exactly what it sounds like. Participants compete to outlast each other in a red-hot sauna in which the heat is constantly ratcheted up until all but one person has conceded defeat. The last individual to leave the sauna under their own steam, as it were, is declared the winner. Competitors are allowed to scrape bowling sweat from their faces, but not the rest of their body, and swimming shorts are the only clothing allowed. This sport is particularly popular in Nordic countries where saunas are a part of the natural culture. It goes without saying that the competitive sauna sitting might be dangerous. What One year is seared in the memory of those who follow the sport. It was 2010 in the World Championship held in Finland and was reaching its peak. The heat had risen to an incredible 130 cel degrees Celsius, or gas mark 2, and eventually just two determined competitors were left in a sauna. The finalists were the home favorite and a previous champion and a challenger from Russia. They have been training hard with several hot sessions per day and aerobic training as the heart works very hard during the competition. Yeah, no kidding. The Russian began to display worrying signs of overheating, shaking uncontrollably, and the organizers literally had to pull him out of the human oven where he collapsed covered in burns. He never regained consciousness, and the Finn was now the only man left alive, but after seven minutes in the furnace, he was being boiled alive. The skin literally falling off of his limbs. He was helped outside, and he too collapsed. He spent weeks in the hospital recovering from severe burns and an induced coma, but he did eventually recover. Damn. To add insult to injury, his pain had not brought him glory, since both the Finnish and the Russian athletes had to be helped out of the sauna. The title was awarded to the man who finished in third place, another Finn. But after much soul-searching by the organizers following the tragedy, it was decided that the championships would never be held again. With good reason, man. You're boiling yourself like that. I mean, shoot, I'm over here like feeling the heat from it. I'm not even over there. That's messed up. Matter of fact, let me move to where the central air is. Ah, <laughs> yo, I'm just saying, like, as a visual learner and all that stuff, you can easily get engrossed and sucked in, and I mean, needless to say, I don't know about y'all, but I was in the boiling pit with him. That That's just, ugh, I couldn't, man. I mean, like, yeah, I can handle, like, you know, 
hot areas and all this stuff. And as I could, because, you know, I work outside. But the thing is, it's just like, come on. <laughs> That's a lot. I'm just saying, you know. All right, so should we go with another one? Well, yes, 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 yes. We got time. We got time. This one is called The Revenge. Yeah, I kind of threw in the towel on finding a lighthearted story, guys, one way or another. <laughs> we just going to have to ride this one out. Let's see, The Revenge. A farmer from Suffolk was driving a tractor, towing a tank of slurry that he had collected on, to spread on his fields. He had left the house early that morning to make the pickup, and he decided that he hadn't had any breakfast. Later that same day, he decided to make an unscheduled stop back at the farm to pick up something to eat. Maybe his wife had made him something nice that morning, he thought. As he drove up the lane, he noticed an unfamiliar pickup parked across the parked in the yard. It looked brand new and was spotless. He wasn't expecting any deliveries or visitors, so he was understandably curious. And entered the house quietly by the back door. There was nobody in the kitchen, but he heard sounds from upstairs. A man was talking to his wife, and she sounded very pleased. Mm, talking. Uh, the farmer wasn't one to think too much about things. He was a man of action, and he didn't like being made a fool of. He left the house quickly and quietly and got back into his tractor. Then he backed the tank up to the unfamiliar pickup, lifted the hydraulics, and struck the exit pipe through the open window and let a ton of wet manure slop into that brand new vehicle. Laughing to himself, he would have to collect more slurry now, but it was worth it. And then he drove off, pleased with himself and angry at his wife. When he returned that evening, his wife calmly told him that she had ordered the pickup as a surprise for his birthday and that the man... She was talking to was the salesperson who was explaining the deal. That's beautiful. <laughs> You're gonna dump all sorts of horse crap into your. Ah, I love it. I love it. I love it. Actually, there's a variation of this story too, like where somebody had like this um, convertible and it was out there shiny and new. The husband didn't know about it, and then all of a sudden, he thought for his best way to get revenge, he would go ahead and dump the cement out of his truck into that and as he would go about the moment of doing so uh <laughs> he ended up messing up a fabulous ride that was for him because of thinking that his wife was cheating see that's why you gotta like at least trust the person you're with i mean like at least be mature enough i mean if she ain't step out on you then what would make you gonna step out on you now and then the whole point about it is it seems like more and more people get in relationships as a form of status and not just as a way of like you know enjoying the company of somebody else and then <laughs> go ahead and do wild dumb stuff like this that sounds like a very nice truck too i would have liked that jesus christ Though it is kind of odd that, um, you know, the wife and the salesperson would be having the discussion upstairs rather than, like, maybe uh, a den room or something like that, you know? But, hey, take what you will. Now, to be fair, we did have to deal with some, you know, crazy stuff. But let's go ahead and take a look at um, something of value, like something of rewards, I would say. Like, you know, there, there's got to be a very rewarding story to share with you guys in addition to just desserts. Oh, here you go. Take a look at this. Oh, wow. It's not even a visual medium. I told y'all to look. <laughs> J360 TV coming soon in a big way. 
Now, a remarkable tale of good fortune spread along the internet a few years ago. A New York City man had retired after a long career in the office and wanted to spend his retirement funds placed wisely in Portugal, where him and his wife had spent a vacation some years before and where their money could go a bit further. They found a small farm with a modest house in a remote area, which according to the agent had been vacant for many years. There had been a few interested parties, but they had been put off by the isolated location in the presence of a very large unsightly barn that stood at the edge of the property. With large rusty doors welded shut, people assumed that the doors needed to prevent squatters and that the barn was out of use. It would be expensive to tear it down, and never mind to convert it into a usable building. The New Yorkers made a low offer and took possession, putting the barn in the back of their minds until they moved in some months later. Finally, the men thought that he should at least take a look inside the barn, so he hired a local to come and open the doors with an angle grinder. The barn looked even larger from the inside and was full of what looked like old farm machinery covered in sheets thick with dust. Then he saw the glint of a wheel and realized that they were cars, very old cars, and that there must have been more than a hundred of them packed in like sardines. Most specimens in this incredible collection were rusty wrecks, family saloons that were not really worth anything, but as he walked along the rows, he discovered ancient Bentleys, Ferraris, and rare Porsches, Studebakers, and the odd Rolls Royce. Ha <laughs> my wheels! I'm gonna get them someday. The couple had stumbled upon the forgotten hoard of a reclusive and eccentric Portuguese collector who had died with no heirs and kept no records of his giant car collection. Nobody had ever bothered to look in the barn. And that's why this story was called Barn Fine. See, another another dose of irony right there. So, you know, that's just cool. So, whenever you go ahead and you buy, like, a local area, you know... Or actually, whenever you invest in real estate like that, you should always look at all the areas about it because there's some history there. And not only that, it could be something that's worth a mint and you could live very, very happy for a while <laughs> in this um, economy of ours. You know, I have that dream too. As I go about J360 and everything and, you know, building my fortune and all, I realize that if I look and I find a box of money... That's just more armor to the to the plating, baby. Right then and there. Uh-huh. Now, I'm about that life. That would be nice. Living like that. Financial freedom, if you will. Man. Mm-mm-mm. Sure, the grass is always greener, but it's not as green as these greenbacks. Mm-mm-mm. Hey, give me a little, little minute, y'all. I'm busy thinking about what it's like to not listen to anybody as I go about my winnings. Mm-hmm. Them imaginary bucks. How can I take that imaginary money and turn that into real money as I get some of the gross? Uh-huh. Look, I'm not greedy, but at the same time, <laughs> I can't go back. But, but you see what I'm saying? <laughs> oh, man. And, you know, at the end of the day, financial freedom is the real goal, you know? And, and if I make too much, I, I'll give the rest to charity. As I pocket it to myself because Lord knows I am Charity right now. <laughs> you know what I mean? Charity is my nickname. Matter of fact, I'm being very charitable by giving to the want of self. All right, all right, look. You guys know me. I would give to others, but I must learn to give to myself. Now, back to what I was doing. Ooh, we got one room for one more. So, this one is called... 
Um, hmm. Um, hmm. I'm just trying to find a better one for you guys, because right off the bat, as I look into these, yeah, I still got a lot to cover. But as I look into these, I'm like, yeah, maybe I can get you a good one. Okay, this one's called Act First, Think Later. <laughs> a lot of people learn that one. A British tabloid newspaper reported the story of a court case involving a respected businessman in a northern town. The jury had learned that the man had been working hard on a big deal with a competitor for several weeks, so he had not seen his family as much as he would like. This created tensions between the man and his wife, who did not work, so he had decided to treat her with a new car, a red Mercedes. One day he returned home early from work to surprise her and take her out on an afternoon trip. As he pulled up to his house, he could see that... He saw that he could not park in the driveway as normal because there was another car in the way, a brand new Mercedes, but not the one he ordered. It was the wrong color and the wrong model. He had suspected that his wife was having an affair while he was at work, and here was the proof. As the rage built up in him, he lined his car up with the Mercedes, reversed back down the road, and accelerated hard into the back of the other vehicle. Then he did it again, causing serious damage to both cars. Enraged, he stormed out towards the house, ready to confront his wife. He couldn't find anyone inside, so... He took a pair of scissors to all of his wife's clothes to teach her a lesson. Then he had heard someone calling through the front door. It was his wife sounding scared, saying that she didn't know who it was or what he wanted, but she had already called the police and they were on their way. The businessman stormed down the stairs and was ready to let a rip at her when he saw that she was standing on the lawn with their daughter, who was home from university. They had been out shopping. He discovered that there had been a mistake at the garage and the wrong Mercedes had been ordered. He had destroyed his own brand new car as the family had deemed to own everything that the man destroyed. He didn't go to prison, escaping with a conviction for only a public order offense and severe embarrassment. Well, that's like the same thing as the one I just told you guys earlier, isn't it? Yeah, so, you know, what is it with these businessmen and these expensive things and then all of a sudden, you know, going ahead and doing these kind of actions? Jesus Christ. Oh, boy. All right, one more, guys, and this will be for you. Um, this is called Always Leave a Note. A woman had always been out shopping in her local town and was carrying up several bags up the high street on her way home. He needs a... This, whoever wrote this really needs a proofreader. As she stepped onto a pedestrian crossing, she got a shock when instead of shopping... Instead of stopping to let her cross the road, a large black saloon shot past her with only inches to spare. She muttered under her breath and continued on her way. At the top of the hill, she sat at the bus stop to wait for the number 44 and saw a large car trying to maneuver into a small parking space at the side of the road with some difficulty. She realized that it was the same rude driver who had almost knocked her down earlier. After successfully parking the car into the gap, a large man wearing sunglasses got out of the vehicle and asked the lady if she could keep an eye on his car while she was waiting for the bus, as he didn't trust people in that town. She was taken aback by the request, but just smiled in response. A few minutes later, the elderly driver of the SUV that was parked behind the man's car returned to his vehicle. As he started the engine and prepared to move, the woman realized that he didn't have enough room to extricate his large car from the parking space. She could see what was about to happen, but it was really none of her business. The SUV launched into the rear corner of the parked car with a terrible metallic crunch before the driver panicked and accelerated onto the road, scraping off all of the paint from one side of the car in the process, the old man got into the SUV looking subtly sheepish, saying, I thought there was enough space, he exclaimed to the watching woman, shaking his head, I'll leave her note with my contact details. 
He went back to his car and returned with a notepad, wrote something, left a page under the windshield wiper of the damaged vehicle, and no sooner had he driven off than the other driver appeared and his face turned red with rage when he saw the damage. He asked the woman if he had seen the car that caused it, but she explained that she didn't know much about cars and that they all looked the same to her. However, she pointed out the other driver did leave a note. The angry driver ripped it off the windshield and read it out loud. I'm only leaving this note because there's a lady watching me do it, sucker. <laughs> Love it. Oh, that's it. That's the topper. Oh, my God. Yes. <laughs> Boy, the lady was set up, man. See, people are something. Could you imagine being in a situation like this and then all of a sudden, <laughs> you know, all of a sudden you in the you in the mix now because... <laughs> an incident that happened right there of course the guy in the saloon deserved it though i mean pulling up there like thinking that the road's all his and stuff like i you see it all the time with road hogs whenever they get checked and, and it's a very 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 fun feeling to have especially like when it's me see i don't have a problem when people out there road raging and crap i start like like a real a-hole at that point because then I start braking, then I start <laughs> going really, really slow on purpose. Because hell, if you you know, if it was that important for you to be there, your ass should have left earlier. Things like that. I don't have a problem being an a-hole. Especially when it comes to checking other a-holes. So that's just how that goes. But this is this is great. Because you knew better trying to squeeze into that lane. You ever see it like when when like huge SUV or like large like let's say uh chrysler three 300 cars try to fit into the compact lane y'all ever see that and you know damn well that they wrong for doing this so yeah deserved it right then and there all that scraping and stuff i'd hate to see what the retail value would be but you know at that point i'm laughing anyway because jack ass deserved it so yeah that's the top right there guys one way or another that that's your final story for the night i love it I'm only leaving this note because the woman watching me suck. <laughs> oh, man. And this old dude doing that, too. You know who that sound like? That sound like my good friend S. Anthony Thomas doing some stuff like that. It's either him or it's Joe Moffat or it's probably that damn Rob over at the 3R show. It, it could be any one of them that pulls that kind of crap. <laughs> And I, you know, as I, you know, speak about them, you know, I do respect those guys, but I, I could totally see them in a situation like that. <laughs> and I hope they never would, though, because people are really, 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 really crazy nowadays. But yeah, each and every single one of these stories that I tell you, I hope that they actually are very humorous for you and they're really fun. And like, I love telling the stories to you. I know I kind of had some stumbling there for a bit because... These people obviously make their first draft and they throw them out there to you. And it's like, ah, uh, well, at least we're getting a story. But everything has one. And it really shapes the culture. And I love, like, letting you guys know these things. We're going to do another episode like this when the Monster Fest rolls around. Because soon enough, i got to step back into the real world and talk about what's going on over there. Yeah. Other than that, though, this is the J-Man signing off. I want you guys to take it easy. And uh, the Power Play will be happening tomorrow on J360 TV. It'll be twitch.tv slash j360tv if you want to catch it live or you know tinyurl.com slash j360tv if you want to catch the post show on youtube but i do want to say this is all going to happen at 10 o'clock and we're getting closer to hangouts number nine which i'm going to go ahead and reveal who that person is it's blast pass we are going to be hanging out with blast pass this friday at 10 so you got some things to look forward to okay all right and once again this is jman signing off peace